right. So, uh, yeah, we're in dispensations, which Juju already knew. Uh, let's cover last week. We talked about the first three dispensations. What were they? Huh? There's seven of them total. We've covered three. We have four to get to, get to today. What was the first one? Elizabeth? No, that's the rules of Bible study. Thank you for listening, Lucas. Yeah. Huh? What? Edenic, yes. What was the second one? Yes, Bianca. Yes, Adamic. I can't die. What was the third one? No, Yeah. There you go. All right, and what did each of the uh, dispensations have? There was four characteristics that were uh, required for the dispensation. Remember what any of them were? Don't listen to the podcast. I mean, listen to the podcast, just not during class. Responsibility. That was the first one. Does that help anybody? They had a responsibility. Yes. Failure. Judgment, Juju says. Steward. Yes. Great job using your notes. Juju took notes. And Lucas is just remembering it. Yep. Great job. Okay. So, uh, yeah, let's write these other words down here. So, Edenic was also the age of innocence. Talked about how they were, they didn't know the difference in right and wrong. And then, Adamic, once they knew the difference between right and wrong, they had conscience. And then, Noahic was, uh, uh, human government. My mind went blank there for a second. Okay, we're not going to cover all the different uh, components of those because I don't want to take too much time. But um, but we talked about how God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? God does not change. And when you look at the dispensations, you might think, well, God is changing the way that he is dispensing his grace. So isn't that God changing? But no, uh, it's not that God is changing. It's that God is offering his grace different ways depending on the choices of man. So like when God has Adam and Eve in the garden, he gives them, like they start with eternal life, right? They they are uh, perfect. They're created in the image and the likeness of God. And so that's how they're going to be. <coughs> that's how they're going to be, provided that they don't violate the responsibility that they had, which was to not eat the fruit uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, when they did that, they cannot be allowed to stay in the garden anymore because there's the tree of life and God says, uh, or let's just look at it. God says in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 2 verse, uh, well, verse 17, he tells them, 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou shalt eat, or that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So he tells them, uh, you know, you're going to die, meaning they're going to lose that eternal life. Uh, so God's choice is he loves man. He always has loved man. He always desires to have a relationship with man. So with Adam and Eve, when he created him, he created him perfect and said, just don't do this thing because when you do that, you're going to die and we're going to be separated. And I don't want that for you, but you have free will, so you get to choose. And so, uh, you know, no matter which dispensation we're talking about, God is dealing with man slightly differently, but he, it's always because he wants to have a relationship with them. And here's how you can have a relationship with me. Do this thing. Do that thing. Don't do this thing. And so when they eat of the tree, then they fall and uh, they gain this knowledge of good and evil. And God has to kick them out of the garden because he says in uh, chapter 3, verse uh, 22, And the Lord God said, "Because, or sorry, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden till the ground to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove man out or drove out the man and he placed in the at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So he tells him, I mean, he has to kick him out because if he leaves him there, and now they have this sin nature. And then then if they eat of the tree of life and they have eternal life in a sin, like in a fallen state, that's not going to work. So God has to kick them out, uh, which then moves you know right into the next uh, dispensation of the Adamic one where his children are supposed to have these responsibilities. Uh, they, of course, they fail. God brings the flood and then gives them a responsibility. Okay, hey guys, I still want to have a relationship with you. I just destroyed everyone. Noah, it's just you and your family. All you guys got to do, multiply, replenish the earth, right? Scatter and replenish the earth. And they're like, actually, no, we're not going to do that. And God's like, really? I mean, like, I just, I want to have this relationship with you guys. I, you know, just do what I'm asking you to do and we can have this relationship. And they continually, they're like, well, we want a relationship with you, God. We just want to do it on our own terms. We're going to build this tower and that's how we'll have a relationship with you the way that we want to do it. And God's like, no, we're not going to do that. So he destroys it confounds their languages and uh, and forces them to, to scatter based on the fact that they can't communicate anymore. And so God is the same. God always is still wanting to have a relationship with man. The grace that he is trying to give them is, you know, eternal life. He's, he's trying to, uh, you know, have a relationship with people. Uh, he still is trying to have a relationship with people. Uh, but there's, there's slightly different ways depending on... Uh, depending on man's choices, right? At any point, if these, if any of these people would have done what God was telling them to do, uh, he wouldn't have had to change the way that he dispenses grace. He wouldn't have to, you know, start all over with a new person or a new group of people to be the stewards of a new dispensation. He could have just, we could have all stayed in the Edenic, in the Edenic um, dispensation if Adam and Eve wouldn't have eaten of the tree. And so, um, so it's just, it's not that God's changing. It's the way it's, because of man's choices, God has to give them a different option uh, to have a relationship with him. And so that's where we kind of left off. Um, so we have the fourth dispensation. They may have a guess as to what the fourth dispensation was. Based on what you know about the Bible. Hallie, do you have your phone out? Huh? Oh. 
based on what you guys know about the Bible, what comes next? Who comes next? You got Adam and Eve, you got Noah, the flood comes, and then what? What? I think I say I think you have it right, you just didn't say it loud enough. Yes, Abraham. So the Abrahamic, which I think is I forget what the subtitle is, promise. So Genesis chapter 11, or Genesis chapter 10 is the uh, the Tower of Babel. And then chapter 11 is mostly genealogies. Um, so like at the beginning of, of chapter 11 is where they he confounds the languages. And then there's a list of all these genealogies that ends in uh, verse 32. And then chapter 12 starts off in a new dispensation. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And so uh, God gives him this responsibility To dwell in Canaan. It's another word for Canaan. Or another name for Canaan. (laughs) What is it called today? What is Canaan called today? What country is it? A country. Y'all are y'all are sharp. Yes, it is a country. What country is Canaan? Israel. Yes. And what was what did God call Israel before he called it Israel? The what did you say? The promised land. Yes. This is where he gives him the promise. Okay, so he tells them I want you to leave where you live, leave your family, leave your homeland, and I have this promised land for you. And uh, he says, unto a land that I will show thee. Okay, so chapter 12, verse 1, he tells him, hey, there's this land that I want you to go dwell in. Uh, it's called. He doesn't tell him right here, but uh, he tells him it's Canaan, uh, it's the promised land, it's, it's Israel, this is where I want you to go. And so um, look what Abraham does. He In verse... Four says, So Abraham uh, departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And uh, Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite uh, was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, there's the promise, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. 
Uh, and there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. All right, so he tells him, go dwell in this land. Abraham's like, or Abram at the time is like, okay. He goes, he gets all of his stuff, he gathers up his family, he gathers up Lot, all the stuff that they had, and they move to Canaan. He gets there, he builds this altar, he's praising and worshiping God, uh, he's in the promised land, and then it says he continued journeying south, and there was a famine in the land, so then he goes to Egypt, uh, which is not the, Canaan, uh, the land of Canaan, the promised land. What is Egypt a picture of in the Bible? The world. Thank you. Good job. That was fast. The world. So Abram goes, instead of going where God told him, or instead of staying where God told him, which was to dwell in the land of Canaan, uh, he does go there, uh, but he doesn't stay there. So his failure is not staying. Instead, going to Egypt. Now, the reason Egypt is a picture of the world, I mean, always, every time it shows up, almost every time it shows up, it's, um, it's instead of doing what God said, we're going to go to Egypt. Uh, almost all of the time. So, like, instead of staying in Canaan, they go to Egypt. Okay? When, uh, like what Pastor Brian's preaching about on Sunday mornings is the Exodus, right? How they left Egypt and how God delivered them from Egypt. And that's a picture of salvation, right? Where they, they're delivered from the world uh, into this, you know, promised land, into this relationship with the Lord. They go through the Red Sea, which is kind of a picture of baptism. Um, so there's, there's all these pictures. And so most of the time when Egypt shows up, uh, it's a picture and a type of the world. And so when people go there uh, or when people uh, bring things from there, like with Solomon, he gets horses and stuff from Egypt, which God said, don't do that, okay? Like, don't, don't get your stuff from the world. And so, um, if you keep reading in, um, in chapter, look at chapter 13, verse one, and Abram went up out of Egypt. So he did leave Egypt eventually. Uh, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the South. Uh, and then a little bit further down, it says, uh, I don't think I wrote down the verse. Hold on. Let me look it up real fast. There's a really cool application that we can get here. And I probably should have. I wrote the application down, but I forgot to write the verse down where it comes from. Uh, chapter 16. Yeah. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. But And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. Uh, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, uh, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So uh, God promised back in, in Genesis 12 that we looked at, God promised him that he was going to make him like make of him a great nation. right? Well, you can't do that if you don't have any kids. Right? If you don't have any kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, like your, your family tree stops with you if you don't have any children. 
And so, but God had promised him children, right? He promised him that he would have this nation. And so he tells him to go to Canaan. He does. He passes through Canaan and goes to Egypt. And he comes back from Egypt with, among other things, this lady named Hagar, who was his wife's handmaiden. Okay. And after 10 years of trying to have kids and 10 years of not having children, Sarah, Sarah's like, listen, just take my handmaid. Maybe she can give you a child that I can't give you. And that way our legacy can be preserved like God told us it would be. Okay. Um, and so this is, this is Abraham going into the world. This is a picture. This can be a, you know, a application for us that when we go to the world, even if we come back to God, like Abram came back out of, out of Egypt. I don't know exactly how long he dwelt there, but, um, he came out of Egypt. He came back out of the world. He went back into the promised land. He was back in the will of God. Of course, Abram, Abraham is like, you know, a very key figure in the Bible. It's not like, uh, this, this, you know, totally disqualified him from serving the Lord, but he goes back to the promised land, back to where he's supposed to be. But he's brought some like baggage from the world. He has brought Hagar uh, back with him from the world. And later on down the road, 10 years later, she becomes a problem, right? He, he has a child with her uh, named Ishmael. And Ishmael is the, the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of, uh, of his other son, Isaac, are fight, have fought from the time they were, basically from the time they were born until now. They still are fighting the descendants of Ishmael. Okay, those are like the Palestinians. They are still fighting them to this day because of this baggage uh, that Abram brought with him out of out of the world. And so the the application that we can get from that is, you know, if if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, if we're walking with the Lord, we're we're serving Him, we're doing all the things, right? We're saved, we get baptized, maybe we're being discipled, we're doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing. We're following the Lord, but. The world has this draw on us, right? I mean, we live in the world. We, we are around the world. We, the world has some, like, exciting or uh, interesting things, things that can draw us away from the Lord. And so when we have these things that are drawing us away from God, even if it's just for a period of time, even if we ultimately come back to the Lord, a lot of times that's with baggage, right? I mean, there's, when we go through the world, we, have, we bring with us experiences. We bring with us uh, things that maybe we wish we didn't have. I mean, if he didn't bring Hagar back, uh, then their only choice would have been trust in what God is doing. Uh, he promised that he would give us kids. We don't have kids yet, but like, what other options do we have? But they had this Egyptian that they brought with them. And so, um, I just want you to think about, I mean, these are, this is generations later. So, so the things that, uh, we do, right? The things that the world, uh, you know, when it gets its hooks in us, those the consequences of that can last a really long time, uh, and it can affect people besides just ourselves. Uh, so in this case, it affected uh, his relationship with his wife. It affected uh, his his kids' relationship with each other. Uh, it affected uh, this whole nation of people that God was trying to do this work with. And so uh, even if we come back to God, and hopefully, you know, if you fall away from the Lord, obviously God wants you back. God wanted uh, Abraham back in the land of Canaan. That's what he wanted him. That's where he wanted him to be from the very beginning. So, uh, you know, even if you do come back to the Lord, there are, uh, you know, there's some baggage that may come with that. And so there's some just good applications that we can get from that. Um, fast forward to Genesis chapter 46. Whoops, that's Exodus. One of the next key figures that shows up is Joseph. 
Uh, we skipped over a few people, but uh, but we've got Joseph here. And so Joseph, you know, his brothers sell him into slavery, uh, into Egypt. He goes into Egypt and he's in Potiphar's house and, uh, you know, he gets accused of something he didn't do and he gets thrown into jail. And then one day he gets called out of jail and he gets to go before the Pharaoh and, to, and interpret his dreams. And then Pharaoh gives him, you know, this prestigious position of being second in command. And his brothers come because there's a famine again, like there was with, with Abraham. And, uh, Ultimately, he's able to bring his his whole family to live in Egypt with him, right? And uh, that's really where God starts the nation of Israel, and that's where God, um, you know, gives them this foundation. They have this place, this country that they can kind of call home. They can uh, begin to grow and and uh, multiply. And then ultimately, at the beginning of Exodus, uh, you know, God God delivers them from from Egypt because they're in they're in bondage. Um, but in uh, Genesis 46, verse... I didn't write this verse down either. I probably should have done that. Um, well, basically, chapter chapter uh, 46 is his dad, uh, Joseph's dad, Jacob, coming to um, Egypt. And so, basically, by the end of Genesis, uh, Joseph dies... Uh, his dad is dead. And then the beginning of the book of Exodus, look at Exodus chapter 1. It starts off by saying, um, verse 8 of, of Exodus chapter 1 says, now there, arose, now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Okay, so they had multiplied to the point where they were outnumbering the Egyptians. Um, and this king was afraid that what might happen is that they might decide, hey, we don't really, uh, this is our land now, right? Like, we have more people than you. We could, we could take this if we wanted to. And so instead of allowing that to happen, he basically puts them into bondage. And, uh, you know, after a while, they're like, this is, this is too much. And so God brings, uh, Moses along and, and, um, leads them out of, out of bondage. But, uh, so the failure for, um, the failure for the Abrahamic one was that he didn't dwell in, in Canaan and the judgment then is the bondage, the Egyptian bondage. So because of the choices that he made and the failure of not staying in the land, if he had just stayed in the land and not gone to Egypt, uh, God would not have to put them into this, this Egyptian bondage. Okay. Um, and the steward of course was Abraham. All right, so I've already given you kind of the transition into the fifth one. What is who's the next guy that shows up? What do you think the next dispensation is? Huh? Moses, yes. Mosaic, which is also the law. So Moses, the responsibility was to keep the law. Okay, so for the first, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 chapters of Exodus, this is all the plagues, right? God's trying to get Israel out of Egypt. And so Pastor Brian's been preaching on that for, I don't know, the last few months of here's these plagues, let my people go. Okay, I'll let them go. The plagues go away. And he's like, never mind. Actually, I don't want to let them go. God brings another plague. Okay, I'll let them go. No, never mind. And he goes back and forth, back and forth. Finally, uh, they do let them out. Uh, but again, he changes his mind and chases after him. 
the Red Sea crashes down, kills all Pharaoh and his men. Um, and then, they, so then they're they're in, they're they're or they're out of Egypt, uh, and then they get they get a sneak peek of the the uh, promised land, right? They get to go spy it out, and they're like, hey, I don't think we can take it. Two of them say, yes, we can. The other ten say no, and they decide to go with what the ten say. They're not going to do it. And uh, so they basically have to wander for 40 years. But in Exodus chapter 20, uh, God gives them the law, right? He gives Moses the law. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, and he says, here's, here's the law, right? We know the, the ten commandments uh, that he gives him. And so uh, their, their responsibility is to keep the law. God gives them the law. The expectation is that they keep it. And, uh, of course, we know that they are not able to keep it. Um, they end up breaking the law, violating the law constantly. Um, and ultimately, they reject Jesus Christ. So this... This dispensation... Uh, it's not the longest in like number of years, but I mean, we're in my Bible, we're this far in and we're on dispensation number five. Okay. There's only seven total and the seventh one is not, has not even happened yet. So basically all of this covers five and six. Okay. So as far as percentage of our Bible, it seems like the first four are pretty short, um, but in number of years, they're not necessarily that short. There's just there's so much that God says about this fifth dispensation. It goes literally from Exodus all the way up until Jesus dies on the cross and raises again. That whole time period, every, all the kings, all the you know the cap- Babylonian captivity, the different prophets, the judges, uh, all of that stuff. The you know Solomon and David and all of that. All of that stuff happens during uh, this Mosaic uh, dispensation. And so uh, God has a lot to say about this particular dispensation. But ultimately they had the law. They were supposed to... What, what was what was some of the things they were supposed to do with the law? Huh? Obey it? Is that what you said? Yes, they were supposed to obey it. What was the law? Like what were they supposed to be doing? In general terms, what were they supposed to be doing? What was the law? What did it say? What did the law say that they had to do or were supposed to do? Worship God. Okay, how? Yes, it was all. It was all about the sacrifices, right? Do these things. Don't do these things. If you do these things that you're not supposed to do, now you got to kill an animal, right? If you if you accidentally kill a person, you got to do this kind of sacrifice, and you got to live so long in this other city, and then after so long you can be come back. You know, if you uh, commit this particular crime or infraction of the law, you have to kill a turtle dove. If you do this one, you got to kill an ox. If you kill this, do this one, you got to kill a sheep. And when you do those, when you kill those animals, you got to do them in this exact way. You can only do this. It can only be the first year. It can only be a, you know, something after the first year. It has to be, you know, spotless. It has to be all these different things. There's all these rules and requirements for what they had to do. We know the Ten Commandments, or at least I hope you know the Ten Commandments. Uh, at least we're familiar with those Ten Commandments. But there was like, I think, 200 or 300 and some odd different specific laws that the Jews were supposed to keep. So it wasn't just 
you know, don't kill, don't have any other gods before me, keep the Sabbath. Those were the first ten. Uh, kind of like the U.S. Constitution, we have all these amendments. I think we're up to like 30 amendments or something like that. And we only know about like the first ten, the Bill of Rights, and we don't even know all of those. But, uh, you know, the important ones or whatever we know. Kind of the same thing with the with the commandments. They were they knew. That, I mean, the first ten commandments are pretty famous, but uh, there was a lot more to it than just that. But they had this this law, and when God gave them the law, He knew that they couldn't keep it, right? I mean, to not in, to not mess up any of these hundreds of laws that they had uh, would have been impossible for man, anyways. Um, so ultimately, they they uh, they did fail. They did not keep the law, uh, even all the way up until Jesus. So when Jesus is on the earth. The law is still in effect, right? I mean, like uh, Nicodemus. When Nicodemus comes to Jesus, look at it in John chapter 3. Okay, John chapter 3 says, verse 1, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, so this is a ruler, this is like, you know, a pretty high up guy, says, uh, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. And then uh, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? So he's like, I mean, even Jesus is like, dude, you you are a master of the law. You know the law, uh, you know all these things. But like these, this this simple, you know, for us at least, the simple truth that Jesus is telling him, uh, he doesn't get it, right? They they know the law. Even to this day, the Jews know the law. Like the people, the Jews who are still practicing, anyways. Um, like when I went to Israel, there's people there that go to the the wall of Jerusalem, like the Wailing Wall is what they call it. Uh, and they go there and they have their, their books and they have these prayer things and they go to the wall and they're doing these prayers and they're trying to, they're still trying to do the things. They're trying to keep the law of the Old Testament. And, uh, man cannot keep the law. Paul, Paul talks about that several times in the letters that he writes. Uh, man, we cannot keep it. Like, God knew when he gave it to us that we couldn't keep it. And, uh, and so that's why he had to send Jesus. So even when Jesus is on the earth, though, the law is still in effect. They still have the priests. They still have the Pharisees. They still have all these things going on um, when Jesus is on the earth. And uh, and ultimately, they get one they get one final chance with Jesus. And Jesus is like, listen, just repent, right? And they're like, no, 
you're a false prophet, you're blaspheming, we're going to kill you. Uh, so they, they ultimately, they've been, they've been breaking the law this whole time, but ultimately they end up killing Jesus, um, which is the end, like the end of the law. Like no longer is God dealing with them through the law. Now that Jesus has died and born, or died, been born, died, and rose again, uh, everything changed, right? When Jesus rose again, everything changed. The sacrifices of the Old Testament, the sacrifices of this whole Mosaic dispensation don't apply anymore. Um, they don't, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ fulfilled the whole law. The law that man couldn't keep, the, the fact that they failed, uh, they didn't keep the law and they, and they killed Jesus, uh, that ushered in the next thing. So when I'm talking about how God doesn't change, but the way he deals with man changes, God wanted them to keep the law. He wanted them to do the sacrifices. He wanted them to follow him, right? Uh, he knew they weren't going to be perfect, but that's what the blood was for. The blood was to cover the sin that they did have. And, you know, all in the Old Testament, God just wants them to worship and follow him. Put me first. Stop putting me second or third or fourth or stop forgetting about me altogether. Just put me first. God wants to be first and have him keep the law. And if they would have done that, like they could have continued in that in that way, but they rejected it. They or they rejected Christ. They didn't keep the law. Um, so the worldwide dispersion of the Jews. Think about what happened. I don't know how much history you guys know, but think about what happened. Uh, in so Jesus died in approximately 33 A.D. Well, in 70 A.D., so like 37 years later, uh, I think it's Titus comes in and he destroys Jerusalem, and the Jews get dispersed. Okay, so the Jews are spread out, spread out. Um, all around the Middle East and some even further. And over the course of time, the Jews get spread further and further and further. Okay. So like by the time World War II comes around, they're a lot in Europe. Um, and so because of, you know, all the events of World War II and, uh, in 1948 when Israel gets their land back, there's been since 1948, even now, I mean, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Jews from all over the world, now that they got their land back in 1948, have been migrating back to Israel since then. I mean, even now, people, you know, Jews in America, not like all of them, but there are Jewish people from all over the world that are moving back to Israel. And so they're still recovering um, from this worldwide dispersion. You know, God basically spread them all out. They went into captivity, different places. Uh, the the Jewish people uh, kind of fell off the map a little bit. Uh, they were they were what the whole Old Testament was about, and uh, and then once once uh, they killed Jesus, and once they you know a few years later when their their uh, capital of Jerusalem gets destroyed, uh, they were spread all over the world. Um, so the mosaic the the steward of that would be Moses. And as I mentioned, that the death of Jesus or the the resurrection of Jesus, more importantly. Uh, brought about the next one, the sixth one, the one we're in now, which is what? What dispensation are we currently in? We call it the something age. Uh, that's a good guess. We are in the Laodicean time period. That's more specific than I'm talking about. Huh? The church age, yeah. So within the church age, there's like the seven churches that you're talking about. We're in the seventh one. Um, so we also call this the age of grace. So what is our responsibility? What is the responsibility of a Christian from the time Jesus died until now? 
how does so all these different ways the edenic one was don't eat of the tree the edemic one was multiply and replenish and now that you know the difference in right and wrong do right uh, when you get to Noahic, their responsibility was to, like, uh, you know, spread, scatter, multiply. All of these responsibilities is is how is God telling them this is how we can have a relationship. We can only have a relationship, Adam, if you don't eat of this tree. Once you do that, you're going to die, and our relationship uh, has to change. Uh, in this time period, do good, multiply, replenish the earth. You know the difference in right and wrong. Do right. That's how we can have a relationship. You know, here, dwell in Canaan. Like, that's the land I'm promising to you. That's where I want you to be. That's how we can have fellowship. Here, keep the law. Do the sacrifices. That's going to cover your sins. That's how we can have a relationship. How do we here in the church age have a relationship? Our responsibility is what? How do we have a relationship with God today? Yes. Accept Christ. So it doesn't matter which dispensation we're talking about. All of them... So grace is just God giving us what we don't deserve. right? Adam and Eve did not deserve a relationship with God. Adam, you know, Adam's children didn't. Noah didn't. Abraham didn't. Moses didn't. We don't. right? None of us deserve to have a relationship with God. He is so much higher and better and more awesome than we are. Uh, but he wants to give us that. That's the grace. So salvation, in air quotes, uh, you know, depending on the time period has always been because God gives grace to people. He wants the relationship with them that they don't deserve to have. But all of them also had to put their faith in what God said. Trust me, Adam, don't eat of this fruit or you're going to regret it. Trust me, Adam's children, Cain, Abel, Seth, all these guys, do the right thing. Multiply, replenish the earth, do good. You know good, do it. Trust me, Abraham, you want to stay in Canaan because if you go to Egypt... Uh, you're going to have problems. I'm going to put you into bondage. Trust me, Moses, and all of your children, and all of the kings, and all of the prophets. Keep my law. Do the things that I'm telling you to do. If you mess up, and I know you're going to mess up, fix it by killing this animal. Let that blood cover your sin so that we can continue to have fellowship. Trust me. Put your faith in what I'm saying. We, in, in 2023, and really since 33 AD, so almost 2,000 years now, the responsibility has been, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to put your faith in what he says in here, right? We don't have God speaking to us audibly anymore, but we have his Bible. Put your faith in what God says. That's that, Every time, that's what it's always been. God has to tell them something, and they have to put their faith in what God said. God tells us things. We've got to put our faith in what God said. And it's because of his grace uh, that we even have that option. And so... Um, so ultimately, uh, we're not going to be able to do that, right? We're not going to be able to, as a as an entire um, race, mankind, uh, we are going to reject Christ also. Now, that's not us specifically, but... Hopefully. Sorry, podcast listeners. Let me slam this microphone down on the ground. Um, So, ultimately, 
some people are going to be able to like fulfill the responsibility. Think about uh, so in the Edenic one, nobody fulfilled that, right? There was only two people, and they both failed. Uh, but then in the Edenic one. There were some people, right? I mean, Noah, for one, right? Noah and his family, despite all the wickedness that was going on, all the people who were not doing what they were supposed to be doing, Noah, at least Noah and probably his family, uh, they, they did fulfill the responsibility, right? They were doing good. They were multiplying. Uh, but the rest of the, the rest of the world failed, right? So God wipes them out. Uh, in the, in the Abrahamic one, right? Dwelling Canaan. Ultimately, Abraham did come back and he dwelled in Canaan and he died in Canaan. Uh, his family, right? Isaac dwelt in Canaan and died in Canaan. Uh, and then, of course, along comes Jacob and he ends up dying in Egypt. Um, but some people were able to fulfill the responsibility. So it was a failure like on the whole, like the, in the big picture, they as a, as a group failed. Uh, but individual people did not fail. Mosaic, uh, keep the law. Moses kept the law, right? I mean, the one big knock against Moses, uh, by the time God finally gets a hold of him and he starts being obedient, the one big knock on him was, hey, you struck the rock and you were supposed to speak to the rock. And so God doesn't let him enter into the promised land. But Moses, uh, you know, by pretty much all accounts other than that, fulfilled the law, right? And even, even after that, there were people from the time of Moses until the time of Jesus that are spending eternity in heaven because of the way that they handled themselves. David, right? David was a great example of that. Uh, tons of other ones. All these, all the Old Testament prophets, all of those guys, uh, they, you know, they as individuals did not fail in keeping that. But as a collective group, the nation of Israel failed uh, as a whole to keep the law. Us accepting Christ, that's our responsibility. Uh, I think probably everyone in this room has done that. So not all of us individually are failing at our dispensation. But I don't know what the numbers are worldwide, but it's fractions of a percent of people who have accepted Christ as their Savior, right? It's like 99% haven't. So there are some, there are people, there are, you know, millions of us that have accepted Christ as our Savior that are on the earth now and have been uh, since Christ died. But as a whole, we are not succeeding in the, the responsibility that has been given to us. Right? If we were succeeding, everyone would have accepted Christ. That's not the case. We can't, individually, we cannot change the coming failure of our dispensation. God's already said it, you're gonna, it's going to fail. You're not going to be able to do this. Um, but as individuals, I can fulfill the dispensation. I can, I can do my part. Right? I can accept Christ. I can tell others how to accept Christ. Right, I, people can come to know Christ because of things that I do, because of things that you guys do. The, so, as a whole, we're going to fail. The church is going to fail, um, but that does not mean that that we personally have to fail. So, ultimately, the judgment is going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And this is a place where Christians will be judged not for our sins because our sins are covered in the blood. Uh, we're not going to, you know, uh, give a give a report on the sin that we've done. Uh, we're not going to have to justify that. We can't justify it anyways. But God, that's all covered under the blood. The judgment seat of Christ for us, for Christians, is what did you do with what you know? Did, were, did you fulfill the responsibility that you were given to accept Christ yourself? Did you go and then tell other people about that? The Great Commission. Um, that's that's what the judgment seat of Christ is going to be about. So there will be judgment, and some of us are going to stand there and say. I mean, I'm saved. That's why I'm here. But that's all I have. I don't have anything else, right? It's that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about 
uh, having wood, hay, and stubble, right? Well, with my time after I accepted you as my savior, I did go to my youth group pretty regularly, and uh, you know, I went to camp and some of those things. I didn't do anything with the things that I heard or the things that I knew I was supposed to do. I didn't do the things, but I heard the things. Does that count for anything? No, that's that doesn't do anything. Nobody is nobody is uh, getting saved because you came to church, right? You got to bring people. You got to tell people about Jesus. You got to uh, do something with the information that you have. Um, so that's the judgment. So the the steward is the church. That's us. We are, you individually, are stewards. So it's really easy to look at some of these other stewards, Adam and Noah and Moses, and say, why could you guys not just do what you were supposed to do and not mess up so many times? Uh, and then, you know, blind ourselves to the fact that I am a steward of the dispensation that we're in or we are in right now. Uh, it's very easy for me to look at other people and judge them in the past for what they did uh, and not take responsibility for my own failures. So the last one, since we're already like three minutes over time, I'm just going to write it down for you. But the kingdom, also called the millennium, which some of you guys have probably heard. Oh my gosh. I'm going to hold this, I guess. Sorry for slamming my microphone down again. All right, so their responsibility is to obey and worship Christ. So Christ will be reigning and ruling on the earth and there will still be people that do not obey uh, Jesus. So there will be one final rebellion. You can look at that in Revelation. That will be where like Lucifer or the Satan is uh, released you know, for a period of time and uh, he tries this one final rebellion and then uh, the judgment is going to be eternal hell. For the devil and everyone who's lost, and the steward of this is the apostles. There's a lot of that in uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, you can also look at Zechariah chapter 14. There's some prophecy about Jesus ruling and reigning there. Uh, and the last thing I have is, I have all of this. I know some of you guys have been writing all of this down. But I have a chart. I don't want to give it to you ahead of time because I want you guys to actually pay attention and not just have all of the answers. But stick that in the back of your Bible. Okay. Sticking in the back of your Bible, this is a good just reference thing to have. Um, because when you're reading in, you know, let's say you're reading in, I don't know, Ezra, and you're like, what's this, what's the, what's the big deal about the law? Why are they, why is, you know, why is him finding this book of the law so important? Why does that matter? Well, because they didn't, they are in the dispensation of the law, and when they don't have the law and they don't know what they're supposed to do, how could they possibly fulfill it? And so it gives you kind of an idea of what's going on in these different time periods, and uh, hopefully it's helpful for you to look at the look at the Bible in a big picture view. Does anybody have any questions? No. Great. Let's pray and get out of here. Dear Lord, God, thank you for uh, this day. God, thank you for this topic of dispensations. God, thank you for uh, allowing all of us, God, to be born into this dispensation that, uh, God, it's just, it's so easy uh, to fulfill our responsibility, our personal responsibility, God, to accept you as our Savior and to tell others. That's that's about as easy as it has been, God. There's there's not a lot of works involved. There's no works involved in salvation, God, but there's... Um, there's not works involved like there was in some of these other dispensations, God. And uh, I think it's easy for us to look back and, and judge others on why they didn't 
do what seems so easy, God, but we probably have it the easiest uh, of all these dispensations, God, and, and we take that for granted and, and don't always do what we're supposed to do with that. And so, God, I pray that uh, while we know that this church age is going to ultimately fail, God, we, we know that ultimately you're gonna, your son's going to come back and rule and reign on the earth and uh, we're going to be with him, God. But uh, I pray that while we have the time, God, that we would just take it upon ourselves individually to uh, to fulfill the responsibility that we have of, of telling others about your son. And uh, God, I pray that for myself too. I pray that I would just look for opportunities in my life to do that. And uh, God, I just pray for uh, this upcoming service. I pray for camp, God, as we leave next week. I just uh, pray that you would just prepare us all for that. And uh, God, I just ask your blessing on the rest of our day. In Jesus' name, amen.